This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Day one of BC's vaccine card. And for you, can I see a piece of ID? How the QR code works and reaction. It definitely thumbs up to the new requirement. I'll set out a cloth on the sidewalk and I'll eat outside the restaurant and protest. Rolling out the third shot for BC's most vulnerable. These are the people who will be receiving an invitation this week. The plan for boosters and how all healthcare workers will now need to be vaccinated. And dangerous doors. And dooring is one of the things that cyclists fear the most. The hidden road hazards and how doing the Dutch reach could be the answer. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. Well, today is the day British Columbians have to start showing their vaccine card to enter restaurants, movie theaters, gyms, and all other businesses deemed non-essential. Richard Zussman is live with more on how the system is working so far. Richard. Yeah, so far it's going well, Sophie. 2.26 million British Columbians have uploaded their vaccination card. They either have it printed out or on their phone, and they will be greeted likely by someone at the door at a gym or a restaurant, making sure that they have it. Flashing the Vax Pass. This is for you to give to the servers inside. Totally great to know that you were on pretty safe ground that there's much less likelihood that you're going to get the disease. I think it's a great idea. It definitely thumbs up. To access pubs, restaurants, gyms, and many other places, vaccine cards now in place in B.C. With tensions high, some businesses going as far as hiring security to enforce the new rules. It's also expensive for the business, right? We're talking about an industry that has been breaking even or losing money for a year and a half. Right? And when people threaten those businesses, I don't, I don't know what their goal is to try and ensure that no one can work there, right? There are still some, a small portion of the province opposed to requiring at least one shot of vaccine to access discretionary services. They hit the streets on Monday. Some restaurants and bars in Victoria and Vancouver reporting their staff have been threatened for enforcing the rules. I don't know what people think is going to happen from those scenarios, but we're just doing what we are legally obliged to do. Uh, And the place for protest is on the streets or writing to your MLAs. It's not in front of a 25-year-old host or hostess. We know that there is a sense of concern in our community surrounding uh, the vaccine card and the fact that some of those who have protested the vaccine card may have Uh, interest in obstructing or or, uh, interfering with businesses. Uh, That's something that we simply cannot accept as a community. Victoria Police have not received any formal complaints of the threats, but will respond to calls where staff or guests are in danger. Some workers staying home today because of the anger directed towards them. These are the rules that we have put on. They have no choice in this. And I think it, it really stuns and saddens me to think that people would uh, find that an acceptable way to express their frustrations. The province reiterated 
The rules are in place in order to get immunization rates up and to help the province get back to normal. My hope is that in the weeks ahead we'll be able to remove things like capacity limits and other restrictions because of the protection that we have knowing that vaccinated people are in these settings. Take us through a timeline of the important dates going forward. Yeah, so it's important, Sophie. Right now, you just have to be immunized once, but that's going to change. So up until September 27th, you can show uh, alternative records of your immunization. So from today, September 13th to the 26th, you could show your vaccine card you received at the clinic or at a pharmacy. Then on September 27th, it will only be those vaccination cards. And then by October 24th, you will be required to provide proof of two immunizations. All of this, the province's attempt to keep getting the immunization numbers up and to continue to keep people safe, Sophie. All right, we'll take a look at those latest immunization numbers uh, in a moment, Richard. Thank you. Well, those protests targeting hospitals were a hot topic on the campaign trail today. The federal party leaders denouncing the demonstrations. Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole calls the latest round of planned protests completely unacceptable. It says hospitals are the last place a protest should be held. Speaking in northern Ontario, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh is vowing, if elected, to introduce criminal sanctions to dissuade similar gatherings. And in Vancouver, Liberal leader Justin Trudeau also promised to make it a criminal offence for protesters to target people seeking medical services as well as healthcare workers. There are specific protections in the criminal code against intimidation of journalists. Specific protections in the criminal code against uh, intimidation or threats against uh, folks working in the justice system. We are going to add specific uh, threats against, um, as, against healthcare practitioners as requiring those protections. And it's unfortunate that we got there, but uh, we think that these people deserve our highest level of protection because they have done so much for all of us over these past 18 months. And we will have much more from Liberal leader Justin Trudeau in a one-on-one -on -one sit-down interview a little later tonight on the News Hour. Now, let's take a look at our COVID-19 numbers, and we have three days' worth to share with you. There are 1,984 new cases to report. Our active case number is 5,829. 278 people are in hospital, 139 of them in the ICU. Nine more people have died from complications of the virus. And when it comes to vaccinations, 79.4% of people aged 12 and older are now fully vaccinated. Keith Baldry is live now with more from health officials today. Uh, let's start, Keith, with a big announcement concerning health care workers. Yes, this has been in the works for a while. Uh, basically, all healthcare workers now, as a condition of employment, must be fully vaccinated by uh, late October. The announcement coming today from Dr. Bonnie Henry. This, again, has been in the works for a while, not unexpected. It's going to affect more than 100,000 uh, people in the healthcare sector. And we're talking about everybody, folks doctors, nurses, specialists, therapists, uh, even contractors who have to go into a healthcare facility must be fully vaccinated. Dr. Henry is saying this is basically done for the protection of people who work in healthcare. There is a shortage of healthcare workers across this country. So yes, I know it's going to be one added stress, 
but I also know that there's very, very strong support from uh, our professional organizations, from healthcare workers across this province to ensure that they and their colleagues are vaccinated to best protect each other, but also to make sure that we can continue to deliver care. So the BC Nurses Union, not surprisingly, was very quick to react today, denouncing this move, saying they don't, it does not have the support of the union. Interestingly, the union successfully fought back a requirement, a proposal by the government to require nurses to be uh, mandatory vaccinations for the flu vaccine. They were successful there. I don't think they're going to be successful fighting this one, though. Mm-hmm. All right, lots of news out of that briefing today uh, on the subject of third doses. We learned some mm-hmm. details, Keith. Yes, there's a large number of people, more than 300,000 people have very uh, varying degrees of uh, immune, common, uh, immune system compromised. Uh, and those with the most severe systems, that's about 15,000 people, are going to be able to get the third dose starting this week, as a matter of fact. And then it's going to move to other areas of the population with less severe immune compromised system. Again, Dr. Bonnie Henry walking us through it today. For people who are immune compromised, it's a different story. As a result of their medical conditions, people who are immune compromised don't respond as well to any vaccine and have a reduced ability to fight infection. This means that they may not have responded adequately to the first two doses and given them sufficient antibodies that they would be protected. And this puts them at much higher risk than most of us. So the most severe cases will get start getting letters starting this week. There's about 15,000 people. Then 165,000 people start getting letters for their third dose in October. General population, we're still not there in terms of a timeline for that. Hmm. All right, we'll see uh, if and when that happens. Keith, thank you. Now, for BC businesses, the vaccine passport rules represent yet another pandemic new normal to try to figure out. And while there will no doubt be some stumbles, as Madagahi reports, many business owners say they're hopeful the new system will end up helping their bottom line. The show tonight. Back-to-back Rolling Stones documentaries and just as the sign implies... Proof of a COVID-19 vaccine will be just as important as your ticket through the door. In my opinion, this reduces the risk and it increases the fun, and I'm completely on board with that. Okay, Corinne, so this is where you'll be checking the vaccine card? Yes, this is where we'll be doing it, and it's quite simple, and there you go. This is a day the Rio Theatre in East Vancouver has been looking forward to. Bring on the vaccine card program, says its CEO, who has been ordered to close three times during the pandemic. To me, this is the best path forward to ensure businesses can stay open and that arts and culture can stay open. 85.8% of the population eligible in this province have at least one dose and 78.4% are fully vaccinated. And to date, more than 2.1 million people have accessed their COVID-19 vaccine certificate. I've had calls of people once said, I'm taking my entire family out for dinner after the 13th. We haven't been to restaurants since for 19 months. Monday was also the first day of the vaccine card at this Vancouver private gym that has closely followed COVID-19 guidelines imposed on them from the beginning. The latest requirement being no exception. So I'm hoping that that will kind of increase the confidence in people who have been a little bit more hesitant to maybe start working out in a more public or, you know, even one of these more private facilities again. Back at the Rio Theatre, there is an expectation the process will be simple. The theatre is used to scanning movie tickets at the door. It has security staffed each night and checking ID is also normal. 
So instead of a fall and winter of uncertainty taking center stage, now is the feeling of optimism towards the potential return of full capacity. Emadagahi, Global News. It's a simple maneuver meant to save lives. Next on the news hour, how parked cars can be just as hazardous to cyclists as moving vehicles, and how the Dutch reach could make all the difference. Win a house, win a car. Tonight is the big night. We will get into that barrel of names and draw for the PE prize home coming up on the news hour. Plus, your vaccine card, but make it fashion. How a BC man has turned his QR code into wearable technology later. Right now, though, with more people riding bikes these days, Fraser Health has launched a campaign to change the way we get out of our cars. Jennifer Palma explains how something called the Dutch Reach could save lives. Open your driver's side door with the hand furthest from the door so your body rotates to see what's coming behind you. It seems simple enough to make sure you don't do this. Dooring or opening your door and hitting a cyclist is one of the main ways cyclists get injured. We know from a couple years ago that ICBC reported that about 1 in 14 cyclist car crashes were a dooring crash. Those injuries can be very, very serious. Every week, more than 11 people are victims of dooring in the city of Vancouver alone. Do the Dutch reach? It's a campaign Fraser Health is promoting to keep cyclists and motorists safe as people begin to return to work and school. They want to make sure motorists aren't just relying on mirrors alone, but to actually look before opening a vehicle door. Who careful not to think you're too safe on a bike. You know, all these bike lanes, people relax. Ah, we got bike lanes. I pay a lot of attention to any cars that are next to me or about to be next to me. The results can be tragic. In North Vancouver, in 2019, a 55-year-old was killed after a vehicle door was opened. The victim swerved and was hit by a dump truck. In 2020, the province increased the fine from $81 to $368. Increasing fines uh, is a positive step forward, but it still is not the solution. What we really need is safe cycling infrastructure so that we get rid of this conflict between both people cycling and people driving. At the end of the day, the hope is that motorists and cyclists do their best to work together. Doing the Dutch reach, I can see traffic, joggers, cyclists, all vulnerable road users. Jennifer Palma, Global News. Just ahead, one-on-one with Justin Trudeau. Can you really sit here right now today and still call yourself a feminist? Absolutely. It's a pleasure to with one week to go before Canadians cast their votes, our Nitu Garcha sits down with a Liberal leader. And later, the Iron Man who just crossed her 100th finish line. How a Surrey woman is smashing records later. Good evening. Delays here in Surrey for a three-car crash westbound on 88th Avenue at 132nd Street in the right lane. From home to car insurance, BCAA's local experts are here for all your insurance needs. Visit BCAA.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, hype of a crash in Surrey. Well, as the federal election campaign enters its final week, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh and Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole are in Ontario 
while Justin Trudeau visits the West Coast. Singh is targeting the Liberal leader, pointing out what he views as Trudeau's shortcomings as Prime Minister. Singh slammed the Liberals' track record on affordable housing, costs of pharmacare and telecom services, and more. And when asked about clean drinking water for Indigenous communities facing boil water advisories, Singh said there's no excuse for any of these advisories to remain in place in 2020. And what is it? I don't buy for a second that is that is anything other than the political will. Seriously, this is something that can be done. Meanwhile, O'Toole is promising he will improve employment benefits for new and expecting parents. This includes allowing those on maternity and parental leave to earn extra money, up to $1,000 a month, without affecting their existing EI benefits. He also promised to expand the Canada Child Benefit to start in the seventh month of pregnancy instead of at birth, so parents can purchase items needed to raise an infant, like a crib, a car seat, and more. When parents have children, they get the time they need to adjust to parenthood, to learn and to spend those precious moments with the new members of their family. And as we mentioned earlier, today all three major party leaders also condemned anti-vax, anti-vaccine passport rallies outside of hospitals. And Trudeau also went after O'Toole for saying the Conservatives are a big tent party under his leadership. Meaning there is room in his conservative party for anti-vaxxers, for gun lobbyists, for anti-choice activists. That's the big tent that he is casting to include people who find themselves outside the fringes of the mainstream. Advanced polls are still open for a couple of hours anyway. The deadline to, adv- uh, to apply to vote by mail is Tuesday. Election Day is September 20th. Well, throughout the campaign, our Nitu Garcha has been interviewing the leaders of the various parties. Today, she sat down with the leader of the Liberal Party, Justin Trudeau. Well, what we've done in the past is a proof point of our ability to deliver. And what we're going to be delivering now is tens of thousands of dollars for young families to be able to put a down payment on, working with municipalities to the tune of $4 billion to be able to create and refurbish and build more housing, and also a home buyer's bill of rights to protect people from uh, things like uh, uh, you know, blind bidding and predatory practices and, and uh, foreign investors. Okay, we know the plan, but again, the question is how. I will move on, though, to the topic of reconciliation. Here we are in the final leg of the election, and you have yet to visit a First Nations community on this campaign. When will you visit Kamloops to meet with the chief of Tecumloops Tishwetmik and her community as you failed to make reconciliation a key priority during this campaign? Actually, throughout this campaign, we've been talking about the path of reconciliation. And one of the very uh, things that we did that was emblematic, not just of the challenge of reconciliation in these unmarked graves, but the path forward was go to Kawases, which was the other place uh, in Kamloops that where we discovered, where these graves were discovered. And not only did we cry together and grieve the loss of these kids, but we signed a historic agreement to make sure the kids don't get removed from care, that they stay in their communities. Those kinds of tangible things that actually make it better for kids are the things that we continue to focus on. Again, Mr. Trudeau, when will you go to Kamloops? I will go to Kamloops as soon as that, uh, that as, as it is uh, right and possible for me to go there. Okay, uh, it's arguably have been 
it's been right and possible for you to uh, have gone up conversations with the chiefs uh, and with uh, the, the, the discussions of when it is right for the community to be there, when it is right for me to be there to support, when we have things to announce on the path forward that, that are ready to go from the community's perspective, I will be there as I have been across the country in communities. Quebec's law against religious freedoms, Bill 21, is one that you on Friday said is not discriminatory. Can you explain why that is? It's one that I disagree with. I've been very clear over the past many years that I disagree uh, with this bill. I don't think it's up for a go- this law. I don't think it should be a go- for a government to tell someone to wear or to not to wear uh, a piece of religious clothing. On Friday, you said it's not discriminatory. If it's not discriminatory, why are you opposed to the bill? Uh, I have been opposed to the bill because it's not for governments to do. I think we need to respect people's uh, freedom of choice, freedom of expression, freedom of religion. I want to move on to the topic of Afghanistan and bring up one woman in particular. In 2018, Shakila Zareen fled to Canada from Afghanistan after she was shot in the face by her Taliban husband. Our global news cameras were there when you met and you hugged her. She credits you, Mr. Trudeau, for saving her life. And now she is begging you to help her family and other families like hers who are in hiding in Afghanistan what is your commitment to her and others in a similar position? That we are going to bring 40,000 uh, Afghans who are fighting for a better life, who are hoping for a better life, to Canada because Canadians are opening their hearts to that. We were able to bring out about 3,700 people while the airport was open, while the Americans were still there. We have since been working with partners in the region, including the Qataris and the Pakistanis, uh, to get people out and to Canada. We're going to continue to do that because Canadians know we have sacrifices, we have been there to fight for a better future Afghanistan, and we will continue to. So will you commit to issuing travel documents and temporary resident permits uh, to those who helped our military who are still in Afghanistan and their extended families before yes. it's too late? Yes, we are, we have been, we will continue to. There are challenges getting out of Afghanistan right now, but we are working with partners. We are working to do that. Canadians want us to do more. We want to do more. We are doing more. We're going to welcome 40,000 Afghans to Canada. Putting BC's vaccine card to the privacy test. I'm a harsh critic when it comes to privacy and security. How the new QR code measures up to our experts' scrutiny. Plus, get your tickets ready. The big PE prize home draw just minutes away. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Some good economic news tonight from the provincial government with a note of caution. Finance Minister Selena Robinson says B.C.'s pandemic recovery appears to be going better than expected, and that is reflected in the province's books. But as Ted Chernecki reports, she also says we can't quite take it to the bank just yet. 
It appears those record-high lumber prices and other commodities have helped BC's finance minister stave off what she expected to be a $9 billion deficit this year. They didn't hit the mark. What we saw come in from income and corporate taxes was much higher than we predicted. BC's debt, based on first quarter results from April to June, now project a $4.8 billion deficit, and unemployment is down to 6.2% from a high of over 13% last year. And while BC's long-term unemployment has been trending down in recent months, the share of unemployed people that have been without work for 27 weeks or more is still much higher than what it was before the pandemic. But other sectors, notably tourism, is down 95% of normal. And to put this deficit into perspective, $4.8 billion is still a very large number. Considering that in the last 20 years, nothing's come close to these recent deficits. In fact, before the pandemic, BC had several consecutive surpluses. When we look at the overall uh, economic um, conditions in BC, they've been actually pretty good uh, despite the pandemic. We are uh, the only province right now where, uh, where employment has fully recouped pre-pandemic levels. Also consider that BC is embarking on record capital spending for the likes of the New Patella Bridge and Massey Tunnel and public transit. The orange part of each bar is what you have and will be paying as a taxpayer. And you can see this year's record expenditure will be eclipsed by even more public debt in the next two years. So far, BC owes the banks $65.2 billion. Rates are very low, and if they can lock in these rates for these uh, large-scale infrastructure projects, that's not a bad thing. There's a, there's a return on that going on the over the long term. And if you're not going to borrow uh, now when the rates are so low over the long term, you know, when are you going to do it as a government? Today's update comes with a boatload of caution. A fourth wave of this pandemic already has Ottawa revising its economic forecasts downward. And with that in mind, BC currently has GDP economic growth pegged at 6% this year, 4% next. Ted Schrenecker, Global News. All right, time to find out who will win the PE Dream Home. Let's head to the Coliseum for the big draw. I'm Christy Gordon. Once the mayor pulls the winning ticket, he will read the ticket number out loud for verification. The winning number is 4748527. That winning ticket is now being authenticated by our lottery officials, and then we're going to phone the winner. So if you bought a ticket to this year's Peony Prize Home, we could be calling you right now. And if your phone's ringing, I suggest you answer it. While, while we're calling the winner, I want to recognize our staff team for their great work this summer. And I really want to thank British Columbians for your incredible support of our 2021 Peony, Pro, uh, Peony Fair. We truly appreciate your support of the Peony Prize Home Lottery more than ever. And we recognize that British Columbia saw this lottery as a way to support the Peony during another challenging COVID year and help us make sure this 100-year institution is strong for another 100 years. So thank you, British Columbia, for your support in making tonight happen. Earlier today, we gave away some amazing prizes, and those included five Chevrolet vehicles, 10 cash prizes, a $10,000 shopping spree from Yaletown Interiors, a custom Harley-Davidson motorcycle package from Trev Dealey Motorcycles, and this year's 50-50 winner was Wayne from Surrey, who I got to chat with earlier today, and we awarded him over $869,000 from the total 50-50 jackpot of $1.73 million.
And all of the excitement has built up to this moment, the draw for the 2021 grand prize package. And I understand that we have our winner on the line. Hello? <laughs> Hi, is this Connie Thompson from Williams Lake, BC? Yes, Connie, I'm so glad that you picked up your phone. My name is Shelley. I'm the president and CEO of the PE, and I am here with the mayor, Kennedy Stewart, and we have some incredibly exciting news for you. Did you buy some prize home tickets this year? Yes, I did. <laughs> well, you, uh, that was a really good choice this year, and I am so thrilled to be able to tell you that you are the winner of our 2021 Peony Prize Home Grand Prize. Connie, you just won an $1.8 million home in South Surrey in McNally Creek. Um, just an absolutely amazing package, and we are so thrilled that you took the time to buy a ticket and help support the PE and the PE Prize Home. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I just thought I was so breathtaking. <laughs> oh my goodness, thank you. We are thrilled for you, Connie. And because you're living up in Williams Lake, we're going to make arrangements over the next coming days to bring you down to tour this, fa this fabulous house and award the keys to you. Are you, you doing okay there? You got some family beside you? I do. They don't believe me. They don't believe me that I am Josh, no? Well, tell them to flick on the news because you are not joshing them. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you, Connie. We're going to ask you to stay on the line while we get some more information from you so that we can make arrangements to bring you out to tour the house. And I just want to say to everybody in British Columbia, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for coming out this summer, and we will see you next year. Connie Thompson from Williams Lake. Congratulations. Congratulations and to everyone who is in Connie's Williams Lake home right now and doesn't believe her. Believe it. You got a new uh, new home down here in Metro Vancouver. Usually people don't answer the, the call when they win the Peony Prize. So that is one of the best uh, winner calls that I've heard. So congratulations again. Well, moving on with the news now, and there are many privacy and security questions surrounding the B.C. vaccine card. Can the government use it to track you? What personal information is stored in the passport and can it be used for identity theft? Consumer Matters reporter Andrea is here with some answers. And Thanks, Sophie. One cybersecurity expert we spoke with gives the vaccine card and verifier app a high score given the short amount of time the province had to roll it out. The app does not collect location information and the verifier app used by businesses does not communicate to the Internet so the government will not be tracking you. Now, the QR code on your vaccine card stores your first name, last name, date of birth and vaccine type, lot number, location and date received, information that would not be tied to any sort of identity theft. The Verifier app is designed to display only your name and vaccine status. It does not store or log those details. BC's Privacy Commissioner confirms businesses are not allowed to take a photo of your QR code or decode it to gain access to any other information. Businesses can either visually verify a person's proof of vaccination or scan the QR code. If they use the Vaccine Card Verifier app on iOS or Android, security experts say it would be extremely 
extremely difficult for someone to fake a passport and gain access to a gym or restaurant. It's almost impossible to forge. Uh, the, the QR code displayed on your phone or the one that you can print off your computer, it's cryptographically verified uh, with a special stamp from the province. And so unless that special stamp were to be stolen, no one's able to generate their own fake code that has the right information in it for the app to verify it. So it really comes down to how that app's being verified. If it's being verified electronically, then it's almost impossible to make a fake one. The cybersecurity expert also says because there's no app involved in the QR code, there's no risk of a privacy breach for anyone presenting the vaccine card. Although there is a potential for bugs or weaknesses in the Verifier app. Wisniewski says he hasn't seen any security concerns in his initial review. So we'll keep you posted on that. And in terms of keeping your passport secure, remember, don't post it on social media. Treat it like your driver's license or any other piece of ID and only display it when you are required to do so. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Good advice. Thank you, Anne. In Health Matters tonight, a new Canadian study says adults who consume cannabis on a regular basis could be at higher risk of heart attack. Researchers at Toronto's St. Michael's Hospital analyzed uh, surveys of more than 33,000 adults in 2017 and 2018. They found heart attacks were more prevalent in adults younger than 45 who had recently consumed cannabis. Smoking was the most common form of consumption, but vaping and edibles also increased the risk. Researchers say the more a person used cannabis, the more their chances of suffering from a heart attack increased. A BC restaurant takes drastic measures to avoid COVID conflict. We don't know how permanent this is. This is what we're doing for the time being. Why this Okanagan eatery will be takeout only. Also ahead, QR code clothing, turning the BC vaccine card into a t-shirt. Counterflow is out over here at the Massey Tunnel and traffic is moving well north and south through the tube. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel. Returning to our top story now, today marked the first day that proof of vaccination became mandatory for many non-essential services in B.C. But as Megan Turcato reports, some businesses are making operational changes, so their staff aren't the ones having to be the enforcers. At this recently opened Armstrong restaurant, the owner is expecting enforcing B.C.'s new vaccine passport to go fairly smoothly. I think in Armstrong, everybody is understanding and they care, and I think it's going to be okay. She says Sunday before vaccine checks became mandatory, many customers were ready for the new protocol to start. Probably half of my customers came in with their photo that they were already vaccinated. But down the road, another Armstrong eatery is concerned about how enforcing the passport would go. During one of the mask mandates, one of our servers had a, not a physical altercation, but a verbal one. And it stressed her out for three or four days. So after talking with staff, the sushi restaurant decided it will be takeout only for the time being. Announcing the decision on social media, the business said, we have two high school students serving and don't wish to put them in a potentially dangerous position of asking for the passports at this time. 
The sushi restaurant is not the only business preparing for possible reaction to the new provincial policy. In Enderby, the Small Axe Roadhouse announced on social media it would close early on the first day of vaccine passport implementation. Writing online, I ask you to think twice before you attack personal individuals who are just trying to do their jobs. Back in Armstrong, the business owner who expects the new vaccine cards not to be much of an issue at work says they have become divisive in her personal life. I feel like this is dividing families, mine in particular. I have children that are vaccinated and not vaccinated. I can't let my child in my restaurant. Megan Tricato, Global News, Armstrong. All right, let's head back to the PNE and meteorologist Christy Gordon. We love Connie, Christy. She's she's the best. Congratulations. <laughs> And she is so excited right now. Her life has been changed forever, Sophie. So yeah, Connie Thompson, she lives in uh, Williams Lake. She's 56 years old and she's a support worker for women in a transition house coming out of uh, a domestic violent, uh, violence um, situations. So uh, she's so excited and we're super excited for her, that's for sure. All right, we've got a big change for not only here across the South Coast, but right across the region. From sunshine today, we're right in for rain tomorrow. So make sure you get your rain jackets ready and especially for the little kids heading to school. They'll need gumboots and maybe inside shoes. As you head into the latter part of the day, it's this cold front starts to shift out. We are expecting a strong northwest wind. Many parts of the province will feel that. And then on Wednesday, we'll start to see it clear out. But in the meantime, we're talking about heavy rain for the northern parts of Vancouver Island and the Sunshine Coast as well. 10 to 20, 30 millimeters of rain there. For Metro Vancouver, we're talking about 5 to 10 millimeters for our region. So a little bit of a wet and much cooler Tuesday on the way. Look at these temperatures. We're talking about low to mid-teens across the northern sections and across the south. We'll see temperatures in through the interior reach that 20-degree mark just in a few select places. Otherwise, Metro Vancouver, south coast, we're talking about 16 to 17 degrees. We rebound a little bit, though, on Wednesday with sunshine. Looks like we've got two nice days Wednesday and Thursday, but we're back into periods of rain on Friday. Tonight's central windows weather window, Sophie, is from Vanderhoof, where Nancy took a gorgeous shot. I love this time of year when the grain gets that golden color and, of course, mm-hmm. the sun setting there in between behind the grain. Very nice framing in that shot, too. Thank you, Christy. A Delta man is one of a growing number of people who are taking their vaccine card to the next level. James Imler has had his vaccine QR code printed on a T-shirt. We have blurred it to protect his personal information. Imler says he ordered the T-shirt through a retailer's online photo lab. I think it's perfect. I, I put it on the back as well. I got it back there so they can get me in a restaurant coming and going because I'm not afraid of anything. <laughs> uh, so uh, to me, my freedom is, um, is health, right? So uh, that's what I'm focusing on. And I think it's a, a great, great concept. I've been thinking that a, some kind of a vaccine certification right from the beginning would be an important thing to have. So uh, here we are. Here we are. Imler says when he picked up his daughter at school, he got a bit of flack from one person, but everyone else thought it was cool. He says he has tested out the QR code and it scans just fine as long as he sucks in his stomach. Now, as Andrew just pointed out, there are, of course, data privacy concerns to consider, so we don't recommend that you follow Imler's lead. All right, let's bring in Squire Barnes for a look at what he's got coming up, Squire. All right, the uh, Seahawks' new offensive coordinator is Shane Waldron. allows us to play a lot faster and a lot freer. Well, Shane impressed his new players 
with the game he called yesterday for Seattle. And we'll hear what he had to say coming up. And later, a Halloween favorite canceled again. Why organizers are pulling the brakes on the ghost train for a second year. Global News and 980 CKNW, Where We Live series, celebrates all that makes Metro Vancouver great. Weekdays on Global News Morning, September 13th through the 26th. Brought to you by Concord Pacific, building communities together. Okay. All right, Squire. I'm just, I wasn't expecting the boxes, but you go ahead. That's okay. It's a nice look. Uh, in their last three games, the Toronto Blue Jays scored 44 runs. Yesterday, they scored 22 runs against Baltimore. That was more than a lot of NFL teams scored on Sunday. The Blue Jays have hit more home runs than any team in baseball. They've scored more runs than any team except the one they're playing tonight, Tampa Bay. Yes, things are going straight up like the CN Tower for the Blue Jays. And... Their run-scoring parade continued this evening. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. scoring Teoscar Hernandez, 1-0 in the fourth. Randall Gritchick scoring Alejandro Kirk, 2-0 in the fourth. It would be 4-0 before the fourth inning was over. And Bo Bichette, this is like a golf shot. It's a home run. Vladdy Guerrero also got a home run. 8-0 now in the eighth. Toronto keeps burying teams in runs as they lead Tampa Bay. Okay. There was a moment during the offseason in Seattle where it looked like quarterback Russell Wilson was going to go all Aaron Rodgers on the Hawks and want out. But he and head coach Pete Carroll smoothed things over, and Wilson has found a football soulmate in new offensive coordinator Shane Waldron. Seattle hired him away from the L.A. Rams. And yesterday, the Waldron-Wilson connection led Seattle to a 28-16 win over the Colts. Play clock at two. Third down and six. Wilson to the end zone. It was the perfect start for the new offensive coordinator who definitely has Seattle's stars aligned with him right now. I told you guys earlier in the week he's like the wizard. He understands how to use defensive tendencies against themselves. Wilson over the middle. It's caught. Everett. Touchdown. But we also... We're, we're able to control the game, but yet still be explosive, still get the ball out quick, and, and do all the, the plethora of things that we can do. There's nothing we can't do. This is what Pete Carroll envisioned with Waldron as his wingman. Develop an offense that uses the running game like a boxer uses a jab, and the passing game as the knockout punch. Really, the day to me is really goes to Shane. We did exactly how we've been practicing and how we've been preparing, and, and uh, he handled it with such a, such a cool uh, overall mentality and all, and, and, uh, and he and Russ were just cooking. Elizabeth Modell is the Iron Lady of Ironman races. She has run 100 of them, hitting the century mark on the weekend. There are no Iron Race Ironman races that she hasn't tried. If you've got an Ironman race, Elizabeth will run it. It was an epic day. I can honestly say that. There was lots of emotions. That was it. Yeah, you know, there was a there was a lot involved. Um yeah, it was special. It was my mom's birthday. She passed away last year. 
Uh, my dad spent some time in Wisconsin. It truly was the perfect way for Elizabeth Modell to hit the century mark and Ironman races completed. Modell's raced on every continent and is also the first woman to compete in every Ironman in the world. It's been an epic journey, Jay, and it was, uh, it was a tough race. Uh, we chose probably the hardest one in the U.S., but 100 is just a portion of what we've done. Really, I didn't set out to do 100, but at the end of the day, it's all about the travel, keeping fit, meeting great friends along the way, and reconnecting. It was just so wonderful after 20 months to reconnect with people that we haven't seen for, for years. It was everything tied up in a nice little nutshell for me, and I just thought, this is the place I want to do it. Jay Janower, Global Sports. Would you? <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> I'll watch. Okay, thanks, Squire. The ghost train is gone for another year. Up next, what's keeping the popular event from getting back on track? Well, for the second year in a row, the ghost train will not be winding its way through Stanley Park. But this time, the pandemic is not to blame. Grace Key tells us there is a four-legged threat inside Vancouver's Crown Jewel, which has prompted the park board to take action. Aggressive coyotes have stopped the Stanley Park ghost train in its tracks. The popular Halloween attraction is yet another hit for park users after coyotes have attacked 45 people since December 2020. With the risk of the coyotes right now, we've been we've had the coyotes around the train for years. They've been present. You know, staff see them all the time, but it's we're just seeing different behavior right now and so we're just not able to move forward. So disappointed, but public safety has to be the top priority. Efforts continue to reset the park so humans and coyotes can coexist. Out of 280 garbage bins, seven new wildlife-resistant containers have been installed in strategic areas. Donated by the province, this is a pilot project. It will cost more to empty the bins. It's unclear how much and will people use them. We'll be looking at other styles that may be easier to empty, may work better for our situation. We also don't know how the public will respond. This is fairly common in provincial and national parks, but this very urban park, we hope that people open and make sure it's inside. If people are leaving garbage beside, then we haven't succeeded in our goal. The Ministry of Forests, responsible for wildlife management, plans to call up to 35 coyotes, but those numbers could be fewer than originally thought. Trapping programs could take a couple of weeks to date Four coyotes have been euthanized. None were removed over the weekend. One was observed near a trap site. These wildlife-proof bins are just one part of a wider strategy within Stanley Park. Hundreds of signs like that one with respect to education, but also feeding bylaw. And we're working with the province right now to, to really look at this situation within Stanley Park. Stanley Park is closed to non-essential access from 7 p.m. to 9 a.m. All trails remain closed. As for the Bright Nights Christmas train, that is expected to continue this year. Grace Key, Global. All right, uh, final word on the weather for Christy and another congratulations to Connie. Yeah, exactly. Congratulations, Connie. Pull out your rain jackets. We are going to need it. And it's going to be a chilly one tomorrow with highs reaching only 16 or 17. So that's all the time we have. Have a great night, everyone. Enjoy your new house, Connie. Thanks. You guys wrapped up?